Hi, this is Leland Sklar, and you are digging Pantheon Podcast. Yes. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We're pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and growing uh, Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, and 40 other podcast platforms thereabouts. All right, so this is episode 137. I'm just calling this Glam Rock. Uh, pretty simple title here. Uh, you know, I wanted to give it a name that distinguished it from uh, what's turning into the modern definition of Glam Rock, where there's this sort of lazy interchange with Glam Rock and hair metal. But this isn't about that at all. And I'm surprised I haven't done an episode on this yet, because I've always been planning to. So this is about the original UK Glam Glam rock movement uh, from roughly 1971 through to 1974, maybe into 1975. Uh, all those melody makers and enemies and uh, record mirror and all those uh, great UK uh, weekly newspapers, you couldn't get away from this stuff there with all those grainy, full color posters of all these guys dressed in all this horrible, horrible fashion. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit more. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, well, let's talk about a little bit of a definition of this. So so the thing about this uh, this movement uh, that I've always found kind of interesting and frustrating at the same time is that there's no real musical center to it. It is more of a fashion thing. The funny thing is is that. When you looked at all these bands uh, playing all this, all these disparate styles of music, there really was a unifying idea in the way they looked. And what did they look like? So, so essentially, um, when we were doing Metal Evolution, we did a hair metal episode, and you know, I was doing a little bit of research into this fascinating idea that some of this, uh, the idea of these, um, these costumes came from the flamboyant wrestlers uh, like Adrian Street um, in the UK, uh, th these wrestling outfits. So the wrestling outfits had a little bit to do with this, uh, this, um, this glam look, this glitter, glitter glam look. Uh, and it, it, it was an androgynous look as well. So you definitely had the idea of, uh, it was almost like the, the 60s version of uh, of what someone gay was supposed to look like or a gay man put it that way uh but there was there was the idea of uh feminine makeup uh glitter uh, the hair was all fancied up maybe maybe dyed blonde uh, but you definitely had these full length uh, suits on that also had a little bit of a crossover with uh, with astronauts, the spaceman suit, the uh, the um, you know the UFO and alien craze. Uh, but definitely the wrestling thing had a bit to do with it, and also I think what also had to do with it uh, in terms of these being like full length pantsuits. Often uh, c it comes from the whole Irish show band thing or the show band thing in general, where people wore uniforms. Uniforms was a you know a, a long standing thing in rock and roll. Uh, you know, finish this off. What else did we have? So the hair could be feathered. There could be the mullet of David Bowie, for example, definitely platform boots. That was another big, big part of this whole thing. But some of these guys would, would have wings on, uh, you know, it got really crazy. And, uh, and these 
bands look, frankly, super, super ridiculous. David Bowie included, I think, looked ridiculous. I think he gets way too much credit uh, for this uh, this genius fashion sense in, in the glam era. I think he looked uh, butt ugly, basically. Uh, so anyways, let's... Let's start off with David Bowie because he is a central, central figure in this whole thing, uh, along with T-Rex. Uh, so, so Mark Bolin, uh, T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, in fact, the wiki, the wiki page does say that, um, what is it? Okay, so the UK charts were inundated with glam rock from 1971 to 75. The March 1971 appearance of T-Rex frontman Mark Bolin on the BBC's music show Top of the Pops wearing glitter and satins is often cited as the beginning of the movement. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but let's play our first track and I want to explore the idea of David Bowie in this whole thing a little more. Take a listen to this. This is David Bowie with Starman. Then the loud sound did seem to All right. Now, the reason I wanted to pick Starman uh, is very specific. So there, this, this is kind of the uh, the follow up to his first, uh, essentially his first hit uh, with Space Oddity. You know, Ground Control to Major Tom. So that's that's called Space Oddity. Um, but the early David Bowie story, and I've I've looked into this a little bit because um, one of the books I'm excited about coming out that that I wrote uh, <laughs> this uh, this year uh, is quite soon, and it is a David Bowie book. I think it's just just called David Bowie at seventy five. But one of the interesting things about this book that I just recently found out, I was quite surprised about, is it's got a $75 US list price. So so this is this is a Motor Books Voyager who's done a really good job with my book. So this is going to be a really nice looking book. But what they had me do, the brief was um, come up with a list of 75 David Bowie career milestones and highlights and write about them. So that's the Bowie book coming out. Anyways, um, so that so the neat thing about this whole Starman Space Oddity thing is it's wrapped up in the idea of the big hit that was 2001 Space Odyssey, but also the July 20th, 1969 first moon landing. So there was a big sort of, um, you know, astronaut spaceman going to the moon thing uh, happening at the time. So again, that has a little bit of a influence on this glam thing. But yeah, David Bowie puts out a debut album in 67. Um, self-titled a a uh, another self-titled in 69 uh, later retitled space odyssey man who sold the world in 70 hunky dory in 71 now at this point um, it's not particularly glam fashion uh, that you're seeing out of bowie but you're all but you are seeing that whole noel coward um, you know theatrical dance hall music uh, uh, you know byron and oscar wilde and not, and all this sort of like romantic um, you know poetry uh, dandy fop um sort of idea that's also part of this glam thing so he's got that coming up but this song we just played starman is from the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars june 16 1972 so we are right 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 in the middle of the of the golden period for this uk glam movement uh, he follows that up with Aladdin Sane in 73, still a glam guy. Pinups in 73, still a glam guy. Diamond Dog 74, still absolutely glam. So 
David Bowie is super important in this whole thing because he's very prolific through it and the fashion is a big deal. And a lot of that has to do with Angela Bowie uh, coming up with uh, a lot of the costuming for David Bowie in this whole this whole uh, image. Now, obviously, the whole Ziggy Stardust thing is a uh, is a space alien story. So there you see that tied in as well. But Starman is perfect for this. And like I say, uh, T-Rex is also very central to this whole thing. Um, and, and again, it's a whole, remember, there was the whole David Bowie, is he gay controversy thing going on? I think Melody Maker 73, there's some elliptical talk about that. So all of that comes into this as well, into the androgyny thing. Um, so is he looking like this because he's actually gay or whatever, right? So, uh, so that all comes into this uh, this glam thing as well. Um, we will explore some other things. Yeah, let's let's move on with our second track here. So take a listen to this. This is Slade with "How Do You Ride." <laughs> Right, so Slade is totally into this glam thing. Um, now we're also getting, uh, you know, what what is our second musical dimension to this glam thing? Well, Slade is known for the, uh, you know, the um, the 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 foot stomping, rowdy rock and roll party music thing. It's not particularly heavy metal. It's also kind of camp. But the thing with Slade is that they were probably the most ridiculous looking band of this whole glam thing and they got a lot of press because of it um, the other interesting thing about Slade is that they didn't sell a lot of albums in fact one of the funny things about Slade uh, is that you know they their greatest hits albums their compilations sold better you know everywhere U, UK uh, you know UK is where they were big they really never really broke in the states but those records did better than uh, than their regular records. Uh, first one was Beginnings as Ambrose Slade, 1969, Play It Loud, 1970. This song that you just heard is from Slade, S-L-A-Y-E-D, question mark, 1972. Followed that up with Old New, Borrowed and Blue, and then in 74, and Slade in Flame in 74. So they are very, very prolific in this glam period as well. Uh, you've got Naughty Holder on lead vocals. He's got that big roar, uh, you know, and that roar, of course, is revived later when uh, when Slade songs basically make the career of Quiet Riot. So you've got Kevin Dubrow and you've got those big hits with covers of Slade's Mama, We're All Crazy Now and Come On, Feel the Noise. L.A. Guns covers uh, Goodbye to Jane. Um, so, yeah, Slade, big deal in this whole thing and a pretty heavy band. Um, you know, it's a band I was never a big fan of. Uh, every time I, I go listen to them, I can't I can't get out of my mind what they look like, <laughs> which drives me crazy, you know, with the big mutton chops, uh, you know, sideburns and the page boy haircuts and all that stuff and the, and the absolute ridiculous, ridiculous glam uh, clothes. But yeah, so we've got Naughty Holder, lead vocals, rhythm guitar, Dave Hill, lead guitar, backing vocals, Jim Lee, bass, piano, violin, backing vocals, and Don Powell on drums. That's your classic lineup uh, during this whole Slade thing. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here. History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 137. Very simple title, Glam Rock. Let's take a listen to our third track, and we shall discuss. This is Roxy Music with Do the Strand. Quack, 
All right, so I wanted to put Roxy Music in here for a couple of reasons. Number one, to drive home to the point that um, there was no real musical center to this whole glam uh, movement in the UK, 71 to 74, 75 uh, situation. Uh, so Roxy Music are a very sort of, uh, they're also the best band in here. That's what, that's the other thing. I wanted to, I wanted to put something in who I, who I probably love the most in terms of the, the quality of the catalog at the time. Uh, so Roxy Music's kind of a hard to describe art rock band with uh, pioneering synthesizers Brian Brian Eno it's got saxophone uh, Brian Ferry is your uh, you know suited glamorous uh, you know glam guy um, well there you go glamorous he's more glamorous than he is glam uh, but the but the crazy thing about Roxy music is again um, they show some absolutely ridiculous uh, glam sense during this um or glam fashion sense during this period. And of course we have lots and lots of pictures of this. Um, we've got still pictures. We've got them going on top of the pops and all those shows in the UK TV shows. Uh, singles is a big deal with, uh, with this whole movement as well. But like I say, you've got lots and lots of documentation of this because it was so photogenic. Uh, and you know, were we laughing with them? Were we laughing with the idea that these are rock and rollers, you know, shagging groupies and all this stuff, looking gay, but they weren't particularly gay, haha, and all this kind of stuff? Were we laughing with them or were we laughing at them? I think a lot of the times we were laughing at them. And Roxy Music, unfortunately, uh, is no exception to that. They make the absolutely most classic, high-minded, uh, intelligent, really, really good music from this whole movement. Um, but uh, they also had the fashion disaster thing uh, going with them. So you had Brian Ferry, the leader, of course, Brian Eno, Andy McKay, Obo Sax, uh, Farfisa Electric Organ. Um, this is this is the actual credits from the album that this song is from. This is For Your Pleasure, 1973. Uh, you've got Phil Manzanera on electric guitar. He went on and later did some really cool solo albums that I, that I loved, uh, 801 live 801 uh, and all that stuff paul thompson on drums uh you know so they had roxy music in 72 for your pleasure this album in 73 stranded in 73 country life in 74 uh and siren in 75 um you know the first four are considered absolute rock classics um manifesto in 79 uh, is is one of their kind of least loved albums uh, i agree with that one flesh and blood in 1980 also not particularly loved and then they had the big hit album in in uh, 1982 avalon and then they went out of business they uh uh well actually you know the, uh, the last episode of uh, of history and five songs oddly enough had roxy music in it as well we had a uh, we had uh explorers the offshoot band at that point we explained all that uh but yeah so um uh, the other reason I wanted to include Roxy Music in here is because the the glam band that is glam adjacent to Roxy Music that people discuss and uh, debate whether they're a glam band is Queen. Um, again, musically, Queen is completely off on their own, even cooler than Roxy Music uh, in terms of music. But um, I don't really consider them a glam band. They looked a little glammy at times, uh, but I, I think they actually pulled it off because Queen is smart with everything they do right so so queen kind of can pull off anything that you give them to do and they actually kind of pulled off the glam look where everybody else looked absolutely ridiculous um okay let's move on uh take a listen to our fourth track here episode 137 glam rock this is mott the hoople with driving sister Wait, I'm 
All right, so Mott the Hoople. Here we go. Uh, this is off of the Mott album, 1973, July 20th, 1973. This one is an Ian Hunter Mick Ralphs song, and I wanted to pick this one because of two reasons. You can hear the Bad Company in it a little bit, so Mick Ralphs go, uh, goes on to Bad Company, but you can also hear the Rolling Stones in it. Mott the Hoople are usually kind of incorrectly considered one of the heavier glam bands when they're more of a Stonesy glam band, and I wanted to pick this because it reminds me of the idea that the Stones and many bands tried out the glam look a, a little bit elliptically as glam got big and it was all the rage. So you saw you saw Mick Jagger putting on a little bit of eyeliner and glitter and the and the and the clothes got glamier. So everybody kind of like dipped their toe in this uh, as it was happening, but it was more of a fashion thing. Obviously Rolling Stones uh, because there really is no musical center anyways, but the Rolling Stones like never changed their music during the glam era, you know, Goat's Head Soup and it's only rock and roll and exile and all that. I mean it's it's still just classic stones, right? Um, so, so basically, I, I I did want to pick this because, again, um, you know, people participated in this whole thing. But yeah, Ian Hunter, Mick Ralphs, uh, you've got Pete Overend Watts, Dale Buffin Griffin. Uh, you know, this is a band started off with Mott the Hoople '69, Mad Shadow '70, Wildlife '71. A lot of different kinds of music in this band, but you know the the big the big album was All the Young Dudes in '72. This is the song that David Bowie give uh, gave Mott the Hoople, and they had a big hit with it. Um, and it's quite a, quite a you know a, a quintessential signature glam song, I suppose, uh, if there is such a thing, because I've been arguing there isn't. Uh, Mott in '73. And the hoople in '74, and then and then they have kind of a breakup. Um, just wanted to mention at this point as well, just a, a couple of other uh, things here that are that are part of this glam thing. So yes, Mott the Hoople looked very very glammy. You know, there are pictures of them in in the tight, you know, the uh, the the sparkly outfits, the one pieces, the onesies, the the platform boots, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's there's people like Alvin Stardust and Gary Glitter, right? So there's part of the glam thing also is um is bringing in the influence of 50s rock and roll, camp, tongue in cheek. Uh so you get that a little bit with uh with Gary Glitter and Alvin Stardust. You know, part of this is a little bit you know uh, this this being enamored with 50s rock and roll rock and roll is part of the rockers movement right rockers versus versus mods um so you get a little bit of that rocker thing in it uh, otherwise you get um who else do we got roy woods wizard you know there's early example of face paint you know we you know we've talked about that before i think i have but how you know, Roy Wood and Alice Cooper are sort of a, uh, you know, a pedigree beeline to kiss, right? Sparks, uh, just watched the Sparks movie recently. So they're California guys, but well, at one point they were essentially in with the glam scene uh, and they were doing well in the UK. So so Russ and Ron go over, Russ and Ron Mail go over to the UK and they've actually got a UK band and they and they make quite a splash there. Um, but so they're, they're kind of part of this... Uh, part of this glam thing as well um rod stewart elton john elton john's a good example of someone who dipped his toe in glam and i guess never kind of left it he kind of kept uh, vestiges of the glam thing uh moving forward but rod stewart definitely uh, you know had had a bit of a glam look uh, at the time so that goes kind of with the with the rolling stones thing a little all right let's move on to our fifth selection here and we shall discuss take a listen to this this is sweet with set me free
All right, so I definitely wanted to put Sweet in here because Sweet is uh, is probably David Bowie is the first person you think about with glam plus T-Rex. Uh, but at, at the heavy end, when any of us heavy metal people think about glam, um, you know, our favorite example is Sweet. Now, the interesting thing about Sweet is that they were, yes, all along, they were kind of the heaviest band in this thing. But then as they started pulling away from uh, from Mike Chapman and Nikki Chin, uh, you know, their producers, their songwriters, uh, they started writing even heavier, um, but they still maintain the glam thing. So this Set Me Free song, for example, pure awesome heavy metal this is written by andy scott so they are pulling away um by the way i have a sweet book out of course i have a sweet book called rebel rouser uh still have copies of that so that's still available whereas angel for example uh the other one that's a little glammy as well right in a different way um that that's a that's out of print but i, I do still have copies of sweet um so this is uh this is this was on our version of Desolation Boulevard that came out in the US in 19 US and Canada 1975. Sweet was a big band at the time. It actually went gold. Um so it was on our version but uh, over in the UK it's not part of the Desolation Boulevard that came out there. Uh it was on Sweet Fanny Adams which is the heavier, you know, the heavier version of the original Sweet album that became uh, our Desolation Boulevard. But that came out in April 1974 and this was on that. Now I also wanted to bring up Sweet because uh, just to explore a little more about this Chin Chapman thing, because so, okay, so what the wiki says on Chin Chapman, I'll just, you know, got this here because it reminds me of all this stuff, blah, 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 successful British worldwide audience, Sweet had an uninterrupted string of million selling hits in the next few years. These included Coco, Little Willie, Wigwam Bam, Blockbuster, The Ballroom Blitz, Hellraiser, and Teenage Rampage. So, Here's here's also this idea of, and it happened with Slade as well, and many of these bands in the UK, it just generally, but in this glam thing, uh, it really was a big singles thing. Singles were almost more important uh, in in terms of your career and your exposure as were albums. So so the glam thing shifted a little more towards the importance of singles, and and absolutely that was the case with Sweet. They had a lot of songs that didn't even go on albums. Um, that were that were really big songs but i wanted to mention chapman chin because um there's also it's a little stable of bands that sound a little bit like sweet and 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 are part of the glam thing uh most notably uh let's see so chin and chapman stopped working with sweet in 75 but achieved equal success worldwide with Susie quattro i don't know about that uh, but they wrote many hits these include 48 crash and the number one singles can the can and devil gate drive that's the other thing in this glam thing you got a little bit of the bubblegum rock influence or bubblegum pop influence and part of the bubblegum thing is nonsensical lyrics or just sort of catchy hooky things like can the can uh coco wigwam bam right little willie all these these kinds of things right um and uh, Chin and Chapman found their next big success with Mud. Go check out Mud Tiger Feet on YouTube. It will blow your mind. It's hilarious. Uh, but but Mud sounded a little bit like Sweet, but they were a little bit more uh, to the show band end of things and a little bit more to the camp, uh, you know, 50s rock and roll end that, that's, than Sweet was. Uh, but yeah, go go check out the, uh, the video of them uh, performing Tiger Feet. Uh, it will blow your mind. It's absolutely hilarious. Lonely This Christmas. Uh, and then, the the interesting thing chin and chapman moved on and glam also moved on 
to this idea of uh, uh, it became poppier. So there became more of a pop. Uh, who 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 do we got here? Smokey with Chin and Chapman, Pilot, these kinds of bands. So so glam morphed into. Um, well, it, it basically dissolved away and died, but kind of the next thing that was even close to it was just this sort of poppier, more gentle uh, version of, of glam. Um, so there you go. Those are our five selections for episode 137, Glam Rock. Who did I forget in this glam? You can let me know in the Facebook uh, which bands, which big bands uh, are important. You'll notice... Um, I've not mentioned America at all in any of this uh, because I may actually do an episode on the American response to glam. So I didn't want to talk about anything that uh, that might be included there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we've talked about all the, all the major ones. Um, I wanted to mention also, um, oh yeah, I've, I forgot to mention this. Um, I had pulled up in my notes. I, I had a big book that's out of print now. It was a great book. I, I loved uh, doing it. They did a beautiful job on the design. It's called The Big Book of Hair Metal. And in that, I went through some of the uh, the other things that had to do with uh, with glam coming to light. And just one I wanted to mention is uh, maybe the grandfather of all of this glam is uh, is Little Richard. November 55, Little Richard's Tutti Frutti Long Tall Set. Long Tall Sally is issued in April of 56. His first album wouldn't be until 57. Elvis included Tutti Frutti on his January 31st, 56 debut self-titled album. So you get a bit of the nonsensical words. You get a little bit of the androgyny or a lot of the androgyny, some makeup. Um, so there's kind of your, you know, the frilly sleeves outfit kind of thing, the the big the big hair. Um, so that's kind of your your start of the, of the whole glam thing, possibly. Um, let's see, what else did I have in here? I had Silverhead in here michael debar remember silverhead they they were quite glammy looking and they fit into this whole thing 72 uh in 73 they had 16 and savaged who else we got here everything else uh maybe got def leppard talking about glam uh david essex i don't know if i mentioned david essex 73 rock on uh that was a pretty big cornerstone glam album uh there's some Susie quattro yeah so that's enough of that um i also wanted to mention um just to do a little catch up, I know I've been uh, remiss on this, um, but a few uh, great comments on the uh, episode 136, the Shadow album uh, that I did. So in that, um, we've got Steve Bellow uh, commenting on the uh, on the Facebook page. How about Grip Inc. with Dave Lombardo after Slayer, or perhaps Robert Palmer's Riptide, which came after the success of Power Station. Even has Tony Thompson on drums. There's your Roxy Music connection. Andy Taylor's Thunder. Uh, uh, which was uh, him trying to be more than Duran Duran because of the success of uh, Power Station. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Durling said the uh, a Anderson Bruford Wakeman Howe album is basically the 1989 Yes album. Good point. Um, let's see. Who else we got here? Uh, Marcus Ferguson says, when I heard Resurrection, it sounded like the wounds were healing. The title track and Made in Hell were nods to the past and recent journey with his other bands. It sounded like Rob, we know and love, doing the style he was born to do. Um, I had a strong feeling that it was a matter of time before he'd be back in Priest. So, so Resurrection, Halford, was one I talked about there. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, David Moore says, Lou Graham left for Lou Graham left Foreigner for a couple of years in 1990, recorded the Shadow King self-titled album, which sounds like Foreigner in places. Uh, Blaze Barshaw mentions, I always thought the first Joe Perry project, Let the Music Do the Talking, was the last great 
uh, Hard Rock Aerosmith album. That's a good Shadow album, that's for sure. Uh, let's see. Then he says, what was weirder was Aerosmith does a neutered version of the title track on Done With Mirrors when he returns. Uh, Jonathan Jordan mentioned, with regards to the solo artist providing a follow-up to a big band album, I always felt that Trevor Rabin's Can't Look Away from 1989 was from a very similar place to 90125 and Big Generator. A few John Anderson vocals spread liberally around and you wouldn't tell the difference. Uh, that's pretty cool. A real good album, by the way. Uh, let's see. Uh, Don Caldian writes, am I the only one who immediately pictured Buffalo Bill Silence of the Lambs dancing in front of his mirror when that snippet from The Explorers was played? <laughs> Another interesting episode. Your points uh, made perfect sense and were illustrated clearly uh, by the music samples you chose. Thanks. Thanks for that, Don. Uh, love that. Uh, Rick Cardinal says, love that Vince Neil exposed album. That's the one we used for the picture there. Let's see. Bruce Dickinson, uh, accident of birth. Both were produced by Roy, uh, Roy Z as was Halloween's. I'm just, uh, reading quickly here. The dark ride. I will go, go to the, go to bat for the blaze albums more than most. Uh, but accident of birth was the maidenest album released from 88 to 1999. That's pretty interesting. Eh? So 11 year span there. He says, uh, David Fisher, uh, that, uh, accident of birth was the most maideny album. David Fisher also says, I also feel like Doro after Warlock fits the spirit of this episode too. Absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, let's see. Reed Little writes, does David Bowie's Tin Machine count? I said no, but I know they're technically not hard rock or metal. You could also count Iggy Pop's The Idiot and Lust for Life as Shadow Bowie albums. I thought that was a good comment from you, Reed. Thank you. Um, Bowie producing, Bowie playing, Carlos Alomar from Bowie's band playing uh, guitar, and then later Bowie covered songs from the albums on his own album. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool as well. So there you go. Uh, thanks uh, very much for all that. I'm glad I can finally get in one of these, uh, you know, follow up, uh, follow up things from a previous episode. Um, if you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi rhymes with no fee dot com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint uh, this week on that front. I would like to thank. Theater Bates, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Joe Beck at Bel Air Expediting, as always, Anders uh, Berglund, Andrew Clark, Lee Clifford, Chris Cook Guitar, Tim Derling, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Ryan Gavalier, Darren Kasabowski, Jamie Laszlo, Michael Mahoney, James Michaleff, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Brian Sager, Dan Sprockerief, Patrick Stevens, and Roman Chop. Thank you all very much. And uh, yeah, martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Go play some of this glam stuff. Uh, you might be disappointed by some. You know what? I'm not even going to tell you to go play some of this glam stuff. I have one assignment for you and one alone. Go watch Mud doing Tiger Feet on YouTube. Thank you very much. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.